0: All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner. I'm Bobby Bancroft, and um, we're here with Ben Standing, who's obviously been one of our mainstay guests. But Ben, I think you're going to take a back seat to tonight's favorite guest. We got Rich Schwatkin, the legendary voice of the Hoyas. Rich just completed his 46th year calling Georgetown games. Rich, what's up, man?
1: How you doing, Bobby? Well, I wish I can call my 47th pretty soon. I guess we're all in pins and needles waiting to see what happens. But, you know, I was reviewing the press guy the other night when you and I talked, and it's hard to believe 46 years. And and when I start looking in the 74-75 season, I said, I can't believe I have done over 1,450 games. I've done over half the Georgetown games in their men's history.
0: Ben, have you watched all those games? Uh, I have not.
2: Bobby, I can't believe you didn't start off by saying for this podcast, and you get to scream this, Hoyas fans win, Hoyas fans win. You should have said that like 46 times. That's why I I have you on here.
1: (laughs) You know, speaking of that, I I was at a party a number of uh, months ago, and I was with this young man, and he said, Rich, he said, growing up, I heard your voice more than I heard my mother's.
0: I believe it. Yeah. I believe
1: it. So, well, you know, forty-six years is a long time of, of of Georgetown hoops, you know, and and I I was very fortunate, guys, to get on the ground floor of this. I I was I was in the right place at the right time. Thank goodness. You know, had I come maybe three years later, five years later, ten years later, I might not have been the voice of the Hoyas, but I was very fortunate to be stationed at Walter Reed. I went to some games that didn't have commercial radio. I kind of went for. It. And uh, you know, I, I obviously, the, the the rest is history. But you know, I have to pat myself on the back initially, you know, for going for it because the, there wasn't commercial radio when I was one, along with uh, Frank Connors, the SID, uh, Coach Thompson, and Frank Rienzo, that got this whole thing rolling in commercial radio.
0: No, it's it's definitely an amazing story, and I definitely I want to let everyone know that the aim here is to. Set up at least a weekly or an every other week situation with Rich as we go from the start of when he was there, which almost aligns with the start of John Thompson Jr. up until now. But Rich, if you wouldn't mind, I think Ben and I would like to do a couple a couple quick hitters for current Georgetown news right now. Sure. Um if we could just start there. So we all know Matt McClung is gone. Georgetown's roster is gonna look a lot different for next year. Currently Eight new players are going to be on next year's team, including six freshmen, which they've never brought in eight players as far as I can remember. And you're going to remember more. Um, And six freshmen is also a lot, the most they've had since 91, 92. What what sort of, when you look at next season that we hopefully happens, what's what's sort of your your, uh, sense of that? And is it going to be harder for you to deal with this without Kennerly? Because you're not going to get a chance to learn all the players' names.
1: Well, I, I, you're going to learn them real fast, but you know it's amazing to me. With the internet, you can see these players' bios, you can watch them on tape. So it's not like years ago. the The Kenner League was kind of the the, the kind of the precursor to get to see these kids. Now there, there's so much going on with the media that that with the internet that you can see what these kids are all about. So that when it comes comes to play, you have a sense what these kids are all about. And and you know Bobby and Ben, they, these kids. Have been recruited for years, so it's not like you getting a diamond in the rough like that nobody knows about. Uh, it, it'll be—I think it's going to be an exciting year, to be honest with you. You know, you're going to have all these new kids. They're still going to have uh, Jamarco back along with Javon Blair. Uh, of, of course, Curtis Wahab will be in the middle. And uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting season. He's going to—he's going to have to—to to, to get his rotations going. But you know, who knows how this season's going to play out? Because you don't know whether they're going to just play league games. You don't know whether the leagues are going to start in November. You don't know how much time they're going to have for practice. I mean, this is going to be a quite interesting year with this pandemic going on.
0: Without Kenner League, though, it's kind of my summer excuse if I don't bump into Ben at a Nats game, and he hasn't been covering Nats as he's full time Redskins these days. It's kind of my excuse to catch up with you guys.
1: Well, that's right. That that's one of the ways that you catch up with Georgetown hoops, you know. And and uh, you know, we to always sit up there in the back row and just talk about what's going on and and the recruits. And, uh, you know, years ago, they used to have the same team, like, like one, one Georgetown team would have all the freshmen. So you get a chance to see how they blend together. And then they cut it back. You're only allowed a two on one team. And and now obviously there won't be a Kimberly. Yeah. But that was kind of the, uh, the way to get the season starting and to kind of springboard the, the actual summer league into the fall practice in October. And, and remember last year we, we did the midnight madness, October the 6th which is kind of, you know, Midnight Madness used to be October the 15th at midnight, and now yeah. they're doing it, you know, two weeks ahead, so, so the season stretches even longer. And, uh, you know, I, I guess we're we're just hoping the season goes and that we can play, but it's it's going to be a, a, a major transition for the Hoyas bringing all those new kids. And don't forget, Connecticut's coming in, so you're going to have 20 league games, which is going to make it a little tougher as well.
0: Are you going to miss Kennedy League, Ben?
2: Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, like you said, it's the excuse to go uh, do something to you guys. And then, yeah, I mean, it's the, you know, I uh, get, I mean, yes, you can watch video for sure. And and, and that's all good. But like, you know, I always like seeing these people in person and, you know, it's Kenner league. It's not real defense. We get all that, but like, you know, you get at least a little sense of uh, what they look like type of, you know, type of game, uh, all that. And you know, and then with the new guys, you know, some sense of, Oh, they got them, you know, more muscular, gained weight, lost hair—I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, you know, you get all that, and uh, you know. Plus, I like—I like one I like of uh, you know. I like knowing that Bobby is tempted to get one of those uh, Kenner League hot dogs every year. I always like that. Uh, yeah, that's that, that, right. That, that the, give uh, and take.
1: Yeah, you know, the Kenner League has been a culture, you know, and and I think uh, you know, even before Iverson kind of you know came on the scene, the Kenner League was still going on, and and uh, you know, I, I remember. Uh, when they when used to have the great Maryland teams, the, the freshman teams would play the freshman team at Georgetown, and, and, and everybody would be like playing, okay, here we are starting the season already in, in the first week of the of the Kenner League. So, you know, the, the, those were great games of the early 1990s when, when they used to have those great Kenner League games. I think we all miss it.
3: You know, I'm, my
1: fantasy is come July the 8th, uh, we're going to go down in the gun arena. They're going to have the Kenner League, you know, like if yeah. they open it up, you know. Like like Northern where Governor Hogan uh, opens it up and said okay okay uh no Bowser you you can you can start playing uh, at McDonough and have the Kennedy going it's just just wear your so, mask.
0: So speaking of McDonough, and yeah. obviously none of us know what's going to happen next season if there is a season we all want there to be a season. What would it be? How surreal would it be for you if there was some sort of scenario where Georgetown played their games at McDonough again, the majority of their home games.
1: Well, you know, for me, it's home. I mean, in fact, you know, when we played that NIT game against West Virginia, played the NIT game against Harvard, you know, two years ago, it was kind of, you know, like, like home. Although I, we used to be up in the perch, up in the press box, you know, that kind of nice quiet place where you have a great view of the court, you know, now, now we're down on the court because that would be my preference. We, you know, we could have actually been up in the press box if we chose to do that, but I just like the atmosphere of McDonough, you know, it just brings the crowd so close and, you know, even though there's only what twenty eight hundred, three thousand is the most you can jam in there. I, it, it's kind of a home court advantage. In fact, George Blaney, a number of years ago, when when Georgetown beat Holy Cross and at, at he said, "If Georgetown played all their games that they've done, it, they win the national championship every year."
0: So that would be. So a good it is, thing.
1: It's a major home court. Yeah, yeah, it would be a good thing. I mean, you know, who <laughs> knows how this is all going to shake down? I mean, who knows what the, the way the pandemic if if, if there's a, if if there's a spike. Uh, you know who knows whether they'll even have a season, but I, I I envision they might play a few games at McDonough because, you know, again, if, if you if if you only are allowed to have what three thousand fans at a game, you know, be, be, because of, of what's going on with the distancing and everything else, McDonough would be a perfect place to do it. Well, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I, believe in me, I would not be the athletic directors of all these schools that have to make these decisions with presidents, yeah. universities. This is the, the major impact economically it's going to be you know so far and so widespread you know i don't know how these guys are going to make decisions about this because it impacts so much you know not the athletes but just the spin-off from from everything so it'll be it'll be interesting you know the good news it's only early june so we got some time yet uh and and look you know what's amazing to me bobby and ben all these schools are are putting out their schedule you know they're playing all these tournaments uh you know they, they talk about uh The the, the tournament now in in, in Phoenix, you know, the Jerry Colangelo classic at the end of December. Well, these people believe they're going to do this or they they wouldn't be coming out with all this information about these these classics. So I guess a lot of people believe that this thing, this season is going to
3: happen.
0: I know Ben likes to um, give predictions. Ben, do you think we're going to have a season at uh, McDonough?
3: Uh, I
2: don't know if we're going to have a season at all. I would bet decent money that there will be home games at McDonough because of the fact that with the NBA and the NHL being the primary tenants in that building and, you know, I don't know anything about concerts anymore, but, um, you know, those schedules are going to take priority. And, like, sure, Georgetown at some point, if they have to make a schedule, they have to just say, well, we'll we'll have to just do it here, especially maybe those early games. I think I mean I I can't comprehend an actual season of McDonough, and I you know there are definitely some I I don't know what's been changed in the last few years, but I remember that West Virginia game and the technology was not there for for those of us working, and uh, you know obviously it's problematic for for a few things. Plus, like even if you have a smaller number of people, if you're sitting on top of each other, like you could you could have this 2,000 people at a, at the arena would be better than 2,000 people in McDonough. From a social distancing perspective, um, but but rich here's the question I have okay, whether it's McDonough or the or a capital One arena in, in a scenario where it seems reasonable to imagine that fans will be not there or incredibly limited. If you do your thing if you I mean I guess one, do you think you'll be sitting on the sideline per usual or you'll know, at the score table? We'll, well, you think answer will be there? And yeah, I guess let's just start with that. Do you think, from what you, any sense, you'll actually be in the arena?
1: Well, that's a very good question. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I may not even be in the Don't arena. Way. We may be watching them on some kind of television or whatever. Maybe I'll be doing it at home, watching on TV and doing a a play by play. Or they, they may not even have radio. You know, this is you know, gentlemen. This biggest.
0: Don't say that. Don't say that.
1: I mean, well. I mean, let, let me ask you: If they talk about social distancing and they talk about you know people not being exposed to the court and all that stuff, I mean, how are they going to arrange all these things? You know, look, look at the, what they're doing uh, with fights. The other night I was watching a fight. The the broadcasters weren't even in, in the arena. They they were they, they were doing it back in Bristol, and they had the fight at, uh, at, at at MGM Grand in, in in Las Vegas. So so you know, who knows how all well this is going to shake out? Sure, I'd love to be there. I'd love to be on the court, right? And yeah. uh, me, me and who else, right? I mean, who else is going to be there? It, it's going to be, well, uh, so, I, I guess, uh, go
2: No, what I would say is what, I, what I'm what i wondering is, so let's imagine a scenario. Rich is on the court. Their fans, the stands are essentially empty. It comes down mm-hmm. to the end of the game. The, the, the Ewing draws up a play. Georgetown is down by one. Javon Blair on the wing, fires away. It's good and always winning. Always you say win, that 27 times. Win, win,
3: right. Yeah, but you say, but you say it to right? an
1: empty,
2: but you say it to an empty oh. arena. Like the people, everybody will hear you. Oh, I, I, I want to
1: see what what the reaction is to this <laughs> happening
2: when everybody who's in there, like all,
1: the, everybody can hear it. Yeah, and that that would be interesting to say Hoyas win. I, I guess you know part of the Hoyas win is to get the fans excited and everybody else, you know. But if there's nobody there, maybe you only say two Hoyas wins, right? Yeah, it'll. it'll I, I hope we can do a lot of Hoyas wins, gentlemen. I really do. I hope there's. I hope there's many, many Hoyas wins and and and, and a great season. And, and Georgetown is, you know, back on their game again. But yeah, the, the, this whole pandemic thing, you know, it, it's still up in the air. I mean, w- here it is again, early June. How do we know what's going to happen four months from now? I mean, how how can we possibly predict what's going to happen? I I love to see a season. I'd love to see them go back and play at um, uh, you know, at Capital One. Maybe they'll play the afternoon games of hockey's at night, or the Wizards are at night, or whatever they have to do. I, I think they can figure it out. You're only talking, you know, 15, 16 home games at the most, or 17, whatever the deal is. Maybe they can figure it out and play at uh, Cap Center, because it's going to be better for social distancing. That's for darn sure. Now, speaking, let me ask you this.
0: Speaking of you know, not God, knowing-
1: How am I going to wear a mask when I'm trying to broadcast? <laughs> Look at that, out. Right?
0: Well, you're going to have to get some sort of kente cloth mask, I think.
1: Right. That's right. That's right. Go ahead, Bobby. Spe- Sorry to interrupt.
0: No, no, no it's fine. Um, speaking of not knowing what's going to happen in four months, it was about I don't know what three months ago. I did not realize it's almost three months to the day that when we went out after Georgetown's Big East uh, tournament loss to St. John's that, that would be the last time that I go out anywhere. I had no idea.
1: Well, to be honest with you, that was the last time I probably went out. I, I came back, <laughs> you know, after that uh, after that Friday morning, and and the guy was I was like quarantined. Uh, up until basically now, yeah. I I think I put fifty miles on my car, uh, you know, since since mid March. Yeah, we're we're all we're all quarantined. There's no there's literally nowhere to go, and I, I'm tired of these reruns. You know, if I see yeah. one more NCAA rerun, I mean, like you know, I I don't I don't even watch anymore because it's, it's just just like it's just not the real world anymore. So you know, I I, well, I, I, I really miss the hoop season
2: it's funny how people were so excited to watch all these replays at at first. And I was thinking ESPN classic has been around forever and everybody stopped watching it because you can't watch all the old games all the time. I I mean, people were so desperate to watch anything. They thought it was great. I I was like, really? It's not that exciting. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've seen these games a hundred times or you didn't care in the first place. That's
1: right.
0: You know, I think, I think, um, I think Ben and I have talked about it before, but when, Georgetown's part of great games of all time it seems like the powers that be at CBS or ESPN and Georgetown obviously great basketball tradition lots of wins lots of you know Big East titles they always seem to find the most crushing losses if you were making a Rich Votkin replay you know Mm -hmm. I mean I would love to watch that Georgetown Weber State game from 1995 again you know like so if you could pick just two or three games that would make your you know, replay which games would you uh, pick for for Georgetown? You're talking
1: about you about great wins, in yeah, words,
0: and particularly yeah. in the NCAA tournament.
1: Well, I think Weaver State when when Iverson missed that run in the lane, the down read, you know, behind the back, uh, you know, behind the put back, you know, yeah. over kind of over his shoulder. I think that was a great win. You know that that was uh, you know that 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 was a tremendous game against Weaver State. That's one of. Them. I, I thought the game against LSU that uh, Charles Smith hit that bank shot at, uh, you know, kind of the top of the key to okay. the LSU in 1988. And, of course, they got, you know, then they got beat by number one Temple, you know, in the next game. But that, that was another great victory. Um, you know, I, I, I thought in, in the NCAA, um, I think the win that, that Georgetown had over Kentucky. You know, people talk about the great game that they had against Houston. I thought the game against Kentucky was one of the best Georgetown games in their history. You know, Gene Smith. Right to, Gene Smith. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Gene, and, and 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 how about how about the game against uh, SMU? See, people think about you know the, those great wins that they beat SM uh, that they beat Kentucky in the championship game. Well, if if Ewing didn't get that tip in against Southern <laughs> Methodist up in Pullman, Washington, there is no national championship, right? If if, if they didn't beat Louis, if they didn't beat excuse me Kentucky. With that yeah. tremendous effort in the second half of holding them to three for thirty-three from the floor, you know when Kentucky had at that time potentially five one-thousand-point scores, you know Bowie, Turpin, and and uh, Jimmy Master and Beal and Skywalker, and you're talking like yeah, you're talking about a tremendous team that that they they beat them. There, there would have been no national championship. So you know a lot of those games, people think about yeah, let's look at the final, but how did you get there? So yeah, the, the, those are the, those are tremendous games. And I, what I thought was you know, just, just to have a look on on Joby Hall's face because I was sitting right behind them as at, at, at Georgetown beat Kentucky uh, in, in in that big game in in in, uh, in, uh, in the kingdom. You know, so so they're, they're, those are all tremendous you know games in Georgetown's history. I'm trying to think of what other games. Um, I think I think I, the Vanderbilt about, game. Yeah. yeah, Vanderbilt was right there with with Jeff Green. How about the mm-hmm. North Carolina game, the, the the Carolina game after that? Of course, if you don't beat Vandy, you don't get to play Carolina. So, yeah. so Vanderbilt was a very big game, and and uh, and Vandy was a tremendous team too, and and uh, and then of course the Carolina game, uh, you know, to, to come out uh, in the overtime and, and, and hit the you know a 15-0 run to start the the overtime was tremendous. You know, who thought the Georgetown would hang 15 on, uh, on on Roy Williams and, and the Tar Heels to start overtime? After being down 11, you know, with, what, six minutes to go in the second half? They came back and and tied the game and then then took them overtime. Yeah, those are all tremendous games in Georgetown War. And and I'll bet you guys, if you ask people what were the best games, I don't think that they would talk about these games. I think they would talk about, you know, the championships. Look, look, Look at the game that they lost to Iowa. That was a heartbreaker. But the game before that, they had to beat a very tough Maryland team with Albert King in in Philadelphia, so you know those are all the precursors to those great games, the game before wow. there should be a a thing the game before you know the game before the game,
0: yeah, it's sort of like making the pass to the guy that makes the assist yeah um yeah. okay yeah. rich so wait bobby can i ask can I ask one question sort of of off course this? you can Ben, of course you can because i because
2: I'm the uh the the half glass empty guy. Rick, if I if if, if 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 there's if you're sleeping in the middle of the night some some game comes in your mind and wakes you up because it's one of the bad ones. What's the one bad what's the one bad game most likely to enter your, your brain as you're sleeping?
1: Well the, the bad game for me is always left a bad taste in my mouth was the Iowa game. You know, the with, with Doran and Shelton and Al Dutch and, and, and Sleepy Floyd. That, that that game was a was was, was a killer. For me personally, you know, because I I thought they had Iowa dead to rights. That was the game in Philadelphia that put yeah. have got them into the national championship, and maybe they could have won the national championship. I think they were as good as anybody in the country. You know, they, they were they were up ten at the half and just let it get away. That that's one game that you know sticks in my craw. You know, plus Michael Jordan's shot you know from the from the left wing with 17 seconds to go. But yeah, that, that Iowa game really stings. You know, you could talk about all those the Florida Gulf Coast, the VCU's. And all that stuff. All right, yeah, th- th- those were, th- those were tough losses. But but when you have a team like Georgetown had to lose to Iowa, it was just just very very heartbreaking.
0: Well, thanks thanks Ben for that great question. Guessed,
2: <laughs> I would not have guessed. I would not have I mean, I get it. I, I it's not what it, would have been the game. I would have thought. But I'm
0: glad. Uh, it, well, any game that's pre ewing is pretty good. I I think well, I think eighty two. I mean, I mean, is also, mm-hmm. you know, that's the year that they beat Maryland twice. I believe that was the year that they closed Manly Fieldhouse. Correct. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no, that, no, so That was
1: 19 That was 1980 season. Yeah, that was
0: 19 No, I meant I meant that, that, 1980 that, that, and then 2 T O O 2, not 1982. Oh, 2, sorry. oh, and
1: 1980 oh. in addition. Right, right. Yes, right, sorry. Two, sorry. Right,
0: sorry right. sorry, guys. Yeah. Um okay, Rich, mm-hmm. so so look, let's let's immediately just let's go back. It's 1974. Yeah you know john thompson's going into his third season you've you know you've decided that you're going to you're going to come out and you're going to be the voice of the hoyas it works out for you what what was just sort of that like like was there was, was there built up anticipation going into the third year cuz thompson you know he'd been under 500 then he was 13 and 13 what do you, can you remember the expectations for that for that season and what yeah, were your personal uh, yeah, expectations being the new guy
1: well, the, the reason that I was lucky to get to be the voice of the Hoyas was I had to go out and sell it, okay? And what I did was I took my tape recorder of games that I did at McDonough the year before. I did about four or five Georgetown
3: games. I okay. went to the
1: old Capital Center and did some Wizards games. And you're talking about the Phil Chenier years, the Mike Reard, the Wolf Unselled,
3: The you know, Bulls played against
1: Pete Maravich. Yeah, I, the Bullets. I, I, I had all those games. I was very fortunate. Uh, the late Mark Splaver, who was the SID, allowed me to sit right there on the court. There weren't that many you know, media there. So I would sit right there and, you know, near the foul line. And I probably did eight to 10 uh, bullets games at that time. And I had all these tapes. So then I, I went all over the city trying to sell it to get advertising. And I, I sold it basically on this premise that here comes, you know, John Thompson in his third year, he's going to turn this around. He had all these city kids. You know, Jonathan Smith, Billy Lynn, Larry Long, uh, Greg Brooks, Marlon Wilson. And uh, I was able to get uh, advertising, and, and we were able to get a station, WOK. So, like, it was like I, I had expectations. Now, did I think they were going to go to the Final Four? No. But I did I think they had a chance to make the tournament? Absolutely. And and they did. And of course, at that time, had yeah, the ECAC. Yeah, 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 the ECAC South. And, and, yeah, and that's so that's how Georgetown got propelled into the MCA.
0: So the first game, it's against a school I can't even pronounce. Uppsala? Uppsala. Yeah,
1: Uppsala. It,
3: it was,
0: what, it was New
1: Jersey. You know okay. who the coach of Uppsala was at that time? Richie Adebato. remember Richie Adebato? Oh,
3: yes. yeah.
1: Ben, Ben, you you, you remember Richie Adebato, right? He coached in the NBA. You know, he was... And and uh, he was the coach of Upsala. that that first year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about that? Uh, that
2: is wild. Read R- for me. Uh, B- Bobby's going to handle the important question. Let me get to the silly. Uh, what was the media food like back then? Like when you're at a game, what what did did they did they have media food? What, what, what was it like the counter league hot dogs? Like what 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 did you, like yeah, what well, did you actually eat? It you again? know what? This is all you know, I care to be, about. To be,
1: to be to be really honest with you, I don't even remember media food. At that time, I I remember eating and, you know, I remember just going up to the the press box. I think they did have, you know, hot dogs and things like that. But I thought you get that at the concession stand. I I didn't think they actually had media food. But I remember at at the end of the games, you know, Fran Connors would kind of order pizzas and we go back to his office and kind of, you know, smooth about the game. But I don't remember if they even had media food back in the mid 70s.
2: So did you like? Do you remember? Like, did you like bring like a a a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Like, like we always ask the athletes, like, what do they do to prepare for a game? Is is, is, does even now does Rich Potkin have like a have a routine that he needs to go through to get his pipes ready?
1: Oh sure, I I I used to bring my I used to bring my cokes and uh, you know line them up along the thing at at McDonough. Sure, I used to have uh, oh yeah. In fact, one of those cokes, Dick Vitale, smashed against the wall after we beat. uh, after we beat Detroit, the year they had, uh, you know, they, they were one of the top teams in the country. You know, with Larry, with uh, 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 John Long and and uh, and uh, Terry Tyler and, and Durad and, and and Georgetown beat them by one point. I think they were ranked like, you know, probably they were in the top top eleven or twelve in the country at that time. Georgetown beat them at home. And Vital was the uh, AD at the time. You know, he had coached um, the University of Detroit, and then was elevated to the AD. And uh, basically, he was up there in the press box doing the radio, and after he beat him, he took, uh, you know, a Coke like he had in you know, a can, uh, not, not a can, but, you know, a cup, and threw it against McDonough's wall right there, because he was broadcasting right next to us. I, I keep kidding about that all the time. I said, did you ever clean up the wall that you, you just stored in McDonough? You don't little do people realize those kinds of stories.
0: Um, that's so that's <laughs> it, it it is amazing so if someone was looking at georgetown's results from that year yeah you know just how far along the program has come i mean you guys went down and played at randolph macon correct right i mean do you remember playing at those little those little tiny gyms i, I don't oh, know if sure. it was
1: absolutely it, yeah absolutely and, and georgetown literally got hosed yeah it, it was eddie webb was the coach at randolph macon and they had a guy named fletcher johnson and uh the referee Bobby and Ben was like atrocious. I mean you know look we we have all we've all seen some some bad games. you know, they threw Thompson out, and uh you know, I, I think Georgetown lost by twenty. It was like you know seventy six fifty six something some ridiculous score like that yeah but but uh sure, I remember that game very, very well. In fact, okay. you know there was a six game losing streak in I the do. early part of that season, okay. And and there was a lot of sentiment, you know, that, that Thompson should be fired and all that stuff. And and then and then we went up to Penn State and and then started that seven game winning streak by beating Penn State on the road. So they had a six game losing streak. All the sentiment was against, you know, Coach Thompson and all that good stuff. And yeah. then what happened was we went on the road and believe it or not, beat beat Penn State at the old uh you know, it it wasn't uh the newer it was the old uh University Gym, whatever they called it at that time, and in uh, Georgetown started then I think a seven-game winning streak. Lost to GW, won the next four, and then then won the two games in the ECAC South, and I think they beat uh, GW, and then of course beat uh, West Virginia on that great shot by by Derek Jackson to get them into the NCAA, and then you all know what happened with the with the Chippewas and that unbelievable call, you know where, where Smitty you know basically felt he was undercut, and they. They called an offensive foul. The kid went down and made two free throws and beat him. Now that now, that, and that was that's not even
0: stimulus. that that's not even something that that would happen anymore, right? Like you don't oh, you don't no, shoot no, that
1: would ne- no no you don't shoot no 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 that that would never happen oh no 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 that that was the most unbelievable call you know, if you take take a look at one call in Georgetown's history that that was probably the most bizarre call and that that, that I ever witnessed or I think anybody in Georgetown stand witnessed. yeah. You know the the, the 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 Smitty got called for the offensive foul, and the kid went down. And uh, Leonard Drake, his name was, and uh, he didn't <laughs> have that name. Leonard Drake hit the two free throws, and that was it. Yeah.
0: So it, so it, you it basically was you basically did a much better job of summarizing the season than I would have. But if I could just go back for one second, yeah. That to me, based on what, based on what I've read, that that season was the first time Georgetown had played at the Cap Center, I believe they played yes,
1: they played maryland yeah they played yeah. maryland and they got and they got destroyed it was like 104 to 71
0: yeah and, and did you, uh, I'll
1: tell you the, uh, sorry. Was,
0: was was there any sense at that time that that was going to be Georgetown's future home no like if,
1: absolutely not no if no, i had told no, you on that day
0: hey rich guess what in a couple no, years no. you're going to be playing all your games here would you have said no, bobby you're an idiot
1: no no in, 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 in 74 <laughs> 75 absolutely in fact in fact i was so happy to do the game at Cap center. In fact, you know they they let me order the phone lines and things like that. So, you know, we we ordered at that time a radio loop, it was called a, a radio loop, and I actually ordered a backup phone and I said to myself, I feel like a king here.
3: You know, like like <laughs> you're, at,
1: you're you're playing at Capson, you're playing at a, at a major arena, so I wanted to make sure I had backup equipment so I had an actual phone and uh, the radio loop and an actual phone. Yeah, but, but the door sound got destroyed. It was like 104 to 71 or something. Sp- Something like that against Maryland. It was very good, very. Oh yeah. Good. yeah. But you hear that, that, season, that, that season, that season was That that was a oh, very oh, season, because of the way it started. You know, they had a, they had a decent winning streak outside of that loss to Maryland to start the season. Then they won on that tremendous six-game losing streak, and then completely turned the ship around. I think won eleven of the next twelve, including the two games in the ECAC South, and then that. That terrible loss against uh, the Chippewas, but uh, I think they finished eighteen and ten that season, which, yeah. which was you know which was a complete turnaround and and got them into the NCAA for the first time since nineteen forty three. So uh, you know you talk about a turnaround season that was tremendous.
2: Rich, I was um, you know I'm listening to you. we talk about all these games and I'm picturing you know back in the day. I know how things have changed, even in the time that I've been covering uh sports for i don't even know what this is you know 15 years give or take depending on how you look at it and uh, uh you know one thing that strikes me is the stats like i know bobby and i will 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 have such like sort of first world problems sometimes the we will complain that they're passing out the stats too often
0: i never like I, ever, ben, I never complain
2: yeah right right my bad i must have been somebody else uh, like every TV time out, we get a new sheet. Even though we have the stats in front of us, sometimes or are online. Yeah. And I'm, you know, yeah. but 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 in 1970 something, everything I just said is not even a is a it, it's a it's a fic, it's fiction. It's in the movies. There's no there's no technology like this. There's no internet. So what were you doing? Were you literally just keeping every stat by score? Were, I mean, did you have? I know like Marty Aronoff has been helping people for a hundred years, but like. Where, did you have a stat guy, or were you have to keep no, track no, of I, points, rebound everything? I, I,
1: no, no, you you just had to basically, you know, you try to keep as much as you can, you know, points. But, but I, I I I really, you know, to to be honest with you, you know, we just did our own our own stats. That's all we could do. We, we did our own. We we didn't have any kind of a stat line or anything. Yeah, so we're all our own.
2: Um, let me ask you one thing. I know we only have a couple of yeah. minutes left. This is maybe yeah. too big for these last couple of minutes, but let me ask yeah. this: We talked about John Thompson, and obviously, in the news right now in this country, race is a very big is a very yeah. big topic, including things mm-hmm. along the lines of in sports, the d- diversity. Are there enough minorities coaching, whether it's you know professional sports, Division One basketball, what have you? Mm-hmm. I have to yeah. imagine that in 1974, John Thompson was one of the very few. Uh, blackhead coaches, what do you recall about that aspect of it, uh, especially as you're traveling the country? How unique was he at that point, and what do you recall sort of the the, the reaction to him being a coach as a blackhead coach
1: well I, I thought he was an icon at that time, you know, and also he represented washington d c you know he played at John Carroll high School, you know uh, taught in the city and and, and I, 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 I when he first came to the program. You know, everybody thought that he could turn it around because he brought his kids from Saint Anthony's and he was all very well respected even even though he was only there when I got there for his third year. But big people around the country felt that uh, you know, he was an icon at that time, even though he was only in his third year and they really respected him. Don't forget he was an intimidating guy at six foot ten, you know, so like you know, but by definition uh he, he was well respected and uh and, and he carried himself very well and uh you know, I I I think the rest is history. But even back then, you know, I I think people looked up to.
0: Them. Ben. Uh, I'm I'm good. I I appreciate. it. Was I to, Did I have another question I was supposed to ask? I forget. <laughs> no no no. I just I I just thought maybe you wanted you wanted to, to continue on that. Um, Rich, real quick, and we're going to have you on again next week or sometime very soon because this has been great. Um, The ECAC, so this was the first year of the tournament, went from 25 to 32, and it was Mm -hmm. the first year you could have multiple teams from the same conference. Do you remember, like when Georgetown went on that losing streak, how did they figure out which four teams played in the ECA South tournament?
1: Well, I, I think it went by record toward the end of the season. I think that the the teams that had the best records in, okay. in that in that uh, in other words, that's how they did it. And Georgetown, GW, I think Villanova and West Virginia were the four teams in that, that went to Morgantown that first year. I th- I think it might have been and, Pitt, I, I, I but yeah. It might have been Pitt. Yeah, I, I think Pitt was in there. Yeah, that's right. Pitt was in there. And uh but again, Georgetown beat GW after losing to them, you know, just a couple of weeks before. And then, yeah. of course, beat West Virginia with that last. You know, you know who was a great player for West Virginia at the time? It was Bob Huggins. Okay. Bob Huggins, yeah, played, played for West Virginia. I think he had something like, you know, 14 points at the half or something. He and, he and a guy named Stan Boskovich. Stan Boscovich hit a half-court shot to put them up 31-30 at the half. And uh, I, I used to always kid Huggins about that. Every time I see him, I say, "You remember Stan Boscovich's shot? that's a great name he kind of he has a big smile on, on his face every time I talked about that sure and and then of course Derek Jackson shot heard round the world uh, 62 61 and and the guy that made the pass was Billy Thomas okay and Billy yeah. Thomas was the first Juco for John Thompson you know, he was at a Juco in Pennsylvania and now he lives in Dallas and uh, and I uh, d- and, okay. and just to keep story when, when we played in Dallas against s m u they had a kind of a get together the night before, and Billy was reminiscing about that pass to Derek Jackson and that shot by Derek, you know again that shot heard around the world. yeah,
0: it's incredible, well, Rich, yeah. it's been great to have you on. This is long mm-hmm. overdue um we're gonna we're gonna keep going not tonight, but we're gonna we're gonna keep going from the start till the current and yeah, um good. obviously Ben. It's always great to have Ben on here. Um, I appreciate everyone for listening to another episode of Kente Corner. Find us, rate us, subscribe. I'll see everybody next time.